Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. It's really good to have you with us today. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. And today I'm dropping two podcasts. These two podcasts are very similar, but they're a bit different. We're talking about digital devices and we're talking about discipleship and how we as Christians engage with uh, the online world and the digital world. And I just recognize that there are two needs. There's the need of the family and a parent as they parent their children with digital devices. And then there's us as adults and how we engage with digital devices. The episode that you are listening to is an interview with Catherine Hill, just exploring how do we as adults engage with our digital devices. Uh, so if you're a parent, you might want to hop onto the other episode, or you might want to listen to this first and then listen to the second episode. Uh, but friends, welcome to Making Disciples. Uh, Catherine Hill is the UK Director of Care for the Family, and she just has some great wisdom around how we engage digitally, particularly with discipleship uh, and the devices that we use. So I really hope that you find this a helpful episode. So friends, here we go. Discipleship, the digital age, how we engage with the digital world. Catherine Hill, welcome to Making Disciples. Um, I am so pleased to have you back. It was eight months ago oh, since we recorded the podcast on, on family dynamics. Uh, so was it eight months? That doesn't seem that long, but yeah. um, I'm really pleased to be with you. Yeah, and one of the things that came back after the podcast on family dynamics was we, this throwaway comment we made about having a conversation about digital devices. And the number yes. of people who then came back to me saying, yes, please, I need help. Um, what I would love to do in this podcast is rather than talking about other people, I would love you maybe to coach me a little bit. Let's do it this way around. Let, let me talk to you about you about me and digital devices. And maybe then okay. that's helpful for others as they listen in. So can I just ask you this question? You know, I'm, I'm known my forties, but I think of myself still as a young adult. Um, digital devices are just a part of our lives. Uh, and yeah. they're this constant drawer. It's always there. They're always pinging. They're always telling us that they're there and they want our attention. You know, what is the actual problem that we're seeing in society around digital devices? Well, I think, Chris, it is exactly that. This little screen in our pocket. I think everything changed in 2007 with the advent of the smartphone, the iPhone. That's when everything changed. Because from then on, you have a little device in your pocket that, that can connect you with anyone, anything, can interrupt you all times of the day and all times of the night. And probably want to start to say they are amazing and they're brilliant and there is loads and loads of stuff that we can do um, because we are now connected because we have um, I'm writing a book at the moment and you know I don't have to go down to the local library and try and find facts I just google them so um, you know so many um, advantages but huge huge challenges as well and I think one of them that you mentioned then is the distraction um, that they can be in our everyday real life relationships. Not that our relationships with people online aren't real, but it's different when we're not face to face with them. And that I don't know how many times I was out for coffee with my husband just last week and I looked around and nearly everybody in the coffee shop was on their phones, but we were as well. And um, more important to be contacting the per and talking to the person that you're sitting opposite than the little thing in your pocket. So number one, I would say it is a massive 
distraction. Mm. Isn't um, it? Do you like carry on? Yeah, no, no, please carry on. I'm listening. I'm taking notes. Yeah, so, um, (laughs) oh, yeah. (laughs) I think that um, those little notification buttons that are uh, bright red, you know, that tell us when we have... um, a, uh, a message when we have, um, you know, someone wants to contact us, and we've got an email, um, WhatsApp, whatever it is, they're designed that color red for a reason. Um, and the reason is it's that color red because in our brain that signals that it's important, that it, it grabs our attention. And we live in something called the attention economy. So multi-million dollar companies, um, the main commodity is no longer gold or arms or uh, precious metals, but it's our attention. So massive investment is going on to, um, for, you know, these, from these companies to get our attention. And, you know, we often say we think that we're the customer, but actually I think we are the product. <laughs> so, um, so it's as well to be, you know, have our eyes open. The phone is neutral, but it's the stuff that's on it that isn't. Mm. That's so good. And what is the effect that that is having on us uh, emotionally and mentally? Well, I, yeah. So um, that is a good question. I think we are a busy and a hurried um generation. I think that um, in terms of, um, there's a a book that's recently been written by a guy called John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I think he's been on one of your podcasts, actually. Mm, Yes, it's a great Um, book. He talks all about um, the fact that um, we're not only busy, and we have to be busy, we have stuff to do, there are lives to live, people to care for, jobs to do. But actually, we are hurried, which means we don't have time to be present with each other or even with ourselves um, and let alone with God. And I think that the, the phone distracts us um, from that. And for whatever reason, um, and I know I'm, I'm as bad as everyone else, it buzzes in my pocket and I'm having a conversation with someone and it is so hard to resist it and to just pick it up and see what's going on. And it means there's um, a phrase that one researcher has um, he calls continuous partial attention. And it means we're not really focusing and giving people the dignity of listening. You know how much it makes you valued if someone listens to you. We're not giving people that because all the time, not only people, but other things that we're doing, we've just got half an eye always um, on the phone in our pocket or other other device of choice. Mm. I mean, you've just mentioned um, coffee shops and people reading. Isn't there, uh, isn't there a link really, though, between... So I sit reading my phone because I'm reading the news. It's like reading a newspaper. So isn't yeah. it just another way of... You know, you might have sat around the breakfast table reading your newspaper while you were having coffee with your partner. Isn't it yeah. the same as that? Isn't this just a modern version of that? Well, it can be that. I think if you're both in agreement that that's what you're doing, that's fine. But the problem is the continuous scroll means you're probably not just reading a newspaper because it's very easy to flick from your news app onto Twitter, onto Instagram, onto your WhatsApp, onto Facebook. If you're still on Facebook, the younger generation have fled Facebook because us older people are on it. But um, And then we are in another world away 
from the person that we're with. So I think if you're reading a newspaper, you might look up and say, oh my goodness, look, there's an article about, you know, whatever it is that we're reading at that second. And you might talk about it. But I think it, I think when we're on our phones, it can take us very easily just into another world. Mm. Um, and so it doesn't draw us together, but it comes between us. Okay, that's great. So, so what do I need to be aware of? Okay, I'm, I've got this phone in my pocket. It is like having a screaming child that when it goes up, it's vibrating and it's just always after your attention. What, <laughs> yes. what do I need to be thinking about to have a healthy relationship with this device, but also with the internet? Okay, so I think we need, first of all, to be on the front foot. We need to be really intentional and plan um, how we are going to use it. So we are in charge of our phone and our phone isn't dictating our pace of life and what we do. And there are so many really practical things um, that we can do to to help us in that. Um, So, for example... Um, we could have time, maybe even just an hour, but sometime during the week where we have a sort of digital detox or a, or a Sabbath when we don't when we don't use our phone. Now it might be that we say we're not going to check our phones before you know nine o'clock in the morning, or it might be that we say on a so some people I know on a Sunday say right I'm not going to not going to use my phone, or it might just be you know half an hour, or it could be things like agreeing not going to have it at meal times one of the things i think that is the most effective is not having it by our beds um all night long mm. so the last thing we look at when we go to bed um is our phone and the first thing we look at uh first thing in the morning and you know if if um prayer is part of our rhythm of life so much better to pray first, last thing at night and first thing in the morning rather than quickly look and have, you know, well, news about, I don't know, the American election, coronavirus, what's happening in our nation, you know, all those things that are important to know about. But somehow that that isn't always healthy for us to have that first thing in the morning or last thing at night or, you know, a text that we that's just slightly difficult for us to manage or whatever. Um, so I would say if we can be disciplined, I began something I'm ashamed to say it wasn't that long ago but I now charge my phone outside our bedroom at night and for our marriage that's made a massive difference but for my emotional well-being that's made a massive difference just that little thing and I would say if there's one thing for people to do that would be my first step um so think of some times but particularly try not to have your phone by you um in the bedroom and if it is your alarm clock there are things called alarm clocks that we can buy <laughs> yeah. um, that, you know, can wake us up in the morning because that's what people often say. Oh, it's my alarm clock. Kids often say that. Mm. Um, but we can find other ways. So I would say that would be one. So be in charge of the kind of time um, we can do. The, we can actually use the device to help us. So um, you can turn off notifications um, so you can decide it doesn't have to be on everything. I, I went a bit crazy first time I tried this and turned off all my notifications and I missed important messages and I missed important emails. So being a bit wise about which ones are not absolutely necessary to know if something's come in. Um, and then I don't know if you've seen, Chris, there's a thing called grayscale. No. So, oh, okay. So this is very Different. fun. So you, you go to settings and um, you can... If you've got an iPhone, it's on yeah. settings. It will be, you know, on other phones as well. And you can turn your phone to black and white. And honestly, it is extraordinary. You do it 
and it just loses some of the um some of the pull some of the earlier it's actually very weird i tried it and i hated it so much i've gone back to color <laughs> yeah yeah one of my colleagues at work has it on grayscale all the time and it is extraordinary um just the difference that it feels when you when you look at that doesn't look quite so exciting um so that would be notifications grayscale um what else would i say um just oh you could when you're on your home screen on your phone yeah just move off the apps that probably are the ones that grab your attention the most that's um, and just have the sort of ones that you need to have maybe so on the, the front. On the front page, so you literally just on place the on the front page. page yeah. need, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So you haven't got some of the other ones. So I would suggest maybe you move social media off yeah. that one. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's something that some people find helpful. I mean, that's all very practical things, isn't it? Um, no, so keep going, keep going. That we can do. Yeah. Um, I think... Just the kind of continuous scroll of things like Instagram is so subtle. Um, I mean, I know quite a few people for Lent give up social media. I haven't. Um, but it, I find where I go wrong is I look at one thing, particularly on something like Instagram, and then it scrolls down and down and down. Mm, and suddenly... It just keeps going, doesn't it? Yeah. I spent 15 minutes doing something that was going to take one minute. Um, and in our heads also, just... It's probably easier for us as adults to do this than than for children, but just to understand and realize that what people post on Instagram is rarely real life. It's their highlight reels. It's yeah, their yeah. And I think sometimes we can model doing that a little bit differently. Um, of course, we want to celebrate the good stuff, but sometimes if all we see, we have particular family member in our family who continually, they're retired and they continually post us photographs of them by um, swimming pools in hot sunny places and when we're stressed and in rainy England it's not really great <laughs> all the time and so I think um, just remembering that what people post is mm. not always real well it is real for them for that moment but there'll be another side of life that probably we don't see and yeah. somehow applying that critical filter to what we read but also thinking about what we post and mm. how it could be perceived I think as well so yeah that's a few I've got, that, um, yeah, it's great. I've got some friends of mine and um, they would notice that uh, I'm a friend on the edge of a friendship. So there's about eight of them in this friendship and I kind of sit on the edge. And uh, they, they, when they go out for the dinner, they put the mobile phones in the middle of the table. Yeah. Because they notice that they would each be picking up their phones. So they put their phones to the table and the deal is this. The first person to pick up their phone has to pay for the meal. <laughs> that's fantastic and luke was just telling me how how just how helpful that was for how the evening went the conversation that they had and you know often you're in the middle of a conversation and somebody mentions a movie and, and it's very easy to pull out your phone yeah to start googling that movie who was the actor when did it come out and then you notice you've also had a work email or you notice you've had a text message. You look at that as well. And, you know, the first intention was to go and find some information for the conversation. And the next thing you know, you're checking a message that you don't need for that meal that you're having with mm. friends. So they've done this where they just put it in the middle that, you know, they say you don't need it. We don't we don't need the, the extra information. Yeah. And for them, it's just been really, really helpful. The, one of their big issues is that everybody sits there waiting for somebody else to pick up the phone because they don't want to pay. 
I was going to say, I think you'd be there a long time, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I love that, uh, you know, there, there's a way around it that makes it a part of the deal of the friendship. Mm, no, I really like that. And I think agreeing together, there's real power in agreeing together that that will be the etiquette, really. Yeah. Um, you know, we would we would never, um, you know... It, we wouldn't be that rude if someone was in front of us, would we? If, if it was a person next to us, you wouldn't suddenly stop, stop talking to someone and talk to the person next to them. But somehow, because it's a, a device, it doesn't feel, um, doesn't feel the same. Yeah. And, um, but I think that, that idea of agreeing together, the kind of ground rules, um, is really good. No, and if people are at work and um, maybe they're in, I don't know if they're in, go to jobs where they have meetings at all and, you know, you've got your phone in your meeting. Um, and again, even agreeing with colleagues that um, you'll put them on silent or on airplane mode or whatever it is, just so there's not another person in the room because that's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. another person in the room. Yeah. Can I ask, we are, we are moving more and more into a digital world and my question is, are we becoming addicts of our devices, addicts of the internet, addicts of this substance that is connectivity? Or is it just an unhelpful habit that we can find ourselves in? And can you differentiate the two? In you know, Is it the same for everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, that there is a very subtle difference probably between, um, you know, when does it flow from um, just a habit through to addiction. And just to say, again, you know, there is so much good and it is, it is great to have all the advantages and we want to celebrate and enjoy everything that the digital age does offer. So we don't want to be sort of harping back to a golden age that didn't really exist. Um, but I think an addiction is when it takes over life, when um, it interferes with our relationships, it interferes with our sleeping um, that's a big one, um, mm. the people not getting enough sleep um, because they're up late at night on glowing screens. And just on that, again, um, you can put you can put a um, there's a device you can set on your settings to nighttime and it does a different light. So it's not the so it's the, the sort of slightly orange light that helps the melatonin in your brain think it's bedtime rather than the blue light of the screen, which yeah, that makes, um, keeps you away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so sleep. So if it's interfering with life, um, I think that's, that's when we should be a bit worried. Now I was um, in our home group from our church. There was, I was chatting to a guy last night and he just mentioned that just before he was married, he had a phone, he was addicted to gaming. Yeah. And, um, and he said, because I told him about a game, that's right. And he said, I'm not going to go near it. And I said, really? And he said, no, I used to. And I would go on a game at six o'clock in the evening and it would be 12 hours later and I would still be on it. And I just could not get off. And I don't trust myself now in the same way that if I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't have a drink. I'm not going to go near a game. So that's a, that was a genuine addiction. Yeah. But for a lot of it, us, it's just something that we love doing that isn't great for us. And if we put a few boundaries in place, then actually we'll pull back and we'll find that there's a freedom in in doing lots of other stuff and freeing up time and getting more sleep, um, as well as making the most of, of, you know, the connectivity and all the other things that and the fun that we can have with the digital age. Yeah, I, I'm aware of a person. I don't know what, what would you say about this? I'm aware of a person who would say that they're, they're quite lonely as an individual 
But when they are in the room with other human beings, they're often just sat on their mobile phone. So they're not connecting with people. Mm. And, and, you know, they would, they would naturally say that people don't talk to them, but actually they don't talk to them because this person sat on their mobile device. They just sit there on their own, you know, just scrolling. And a part of it, I think, is that they they don't really know how to relate to other human beings. But mm. how there are many of us that are maybe like that who go into a room and rather than engaging with others, we might just go to our digital phones to try and make us look busy or something so we look important or something like that. You know, what would you say to me if I said, look, I'm going into a room, I'm regularly finding myself just looking at my phone rather than talking to other human beings. You know, what would you say to me in that situation? Well, I would say probably um, that's become a, it may well have become a bit of a habit. Um, and maybe in a minute, we'll just talk a, a bit about that and the place of boredom. But um, but on this one, um, I think just in terms, it's really hard. You know, if we're, if we don't feel very confident when we walk into a room, we don't know people. Um, it's really hard to know how to start up a conversation. And it's so much easier just to look busy and then you don't mm-hmm. feel awkward. But uh, someone once said to me, try and be a uh, there you are and not a here I am person. Um, mm-hmm. And what they meant by that was yeah. just interested be curious about the other people in the room now it sounds easy and if you know you don't like those kind of gatherings that is scary and hard but I would say just be courageous and try and think of a couple of questions that you can ask of the people in the room um have them up your sleeve and use them just to even begin a conversation um, you know, if you're new in the in the room and you don't know anyone, you know, you could just, whatever the setting is, say it was a, I don't know, um, some sort of social gathering or something in a church or whatever. Just, you know, how how have you come to be here? Do you know the person that's hosting it? Um, but then there's loads of general questions that you could have up your sleeve as well, just to get the conversation going. And hopefully then it's much easier. It's that first step that's so hard, I think. Mm. It, it can be. I think, you know, I... Uh, often uh, go into a room and feel like they're going to catch me out. Uh, I have imposter syndrome. They're going to find yeah. out that I'm really not <laughs> what yes, I claim to be. So it's yeah. just so easy. And you know, one of the things I've had to really learn is how not to go to something else that's a comfort. Yes. And go to, but unfortunately, our phones can become a real comfort uh, when we're in an awkward situation. You know, the bus stop. Yeah. We live across the road from a bus stop. We see 30 people at the bus stop. I would say 25 of them are on their mobile phones. Why? It's because it's an awkward situation. In the past, yeah. we'd have talked to each other because we'd have been forced to. But now we don't want to talk to each other because it's awkward. So we go to our phone and we look at trash just so yeah. we don't have to make human contact with other people. Um, and I think, unfortunately, there is a danger, isn't there, that we as human beings then stop connecting in a real life way with the people that are right next to us. Absolutely. I mean, I think that is the heart of it. I really do. Um, and, you know, sharing your sharing your a bit of your heart, even if it's a tiny little bit, um, being a little bit vulnerable with people, you can't do that through a device. You have to do it through eye-to-eye contact and that that real mm. relationship. And, and, I mean, the thing you said about the bus stop, I, I find myself in a coffee queue. I'm, I'm in a coffee shop queuing up to get a coffee how long it's not going to take that long to do that and 
as soon as I have to wait anywhere, I find if I'm not careful, my hand goes, pulls it, and it's a habit. Just pull up my phone and, oh, look at that, and on, my, on I go. And there is um, a lot of stuff has been written about the place of boredom and how important boredom is in terms of creativity. And we're not allowing ourselves to be bored and just hang out. And that's and it's good for us just mm. to chill and not and not have to do lots of things um, and just to be. Um, but we don't do that because, you know, as we've just said, we just reach for the little device and off we go on entertainment or connection or whatever else we're yeah. doing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Catherine, thank you so much for your time. No, that's great. So I love it. Your, and I think lots of Lots of people, I think, sorry, just on the last one, lots of millennials in Bristol, a city I live in, um, are buying those little notebooks. And I've seen people now at meetings, and I think there is a bit of a kickback. I think what people are discovering that we don't always have to, you know, always always have to be digitally connected. So anyway, mm. but it's good as well as being, I think it's being on the front foot um, and managing it well and then enjoying it. So, mm. yeah. Thank you so much. Is there anything that Care for the Family are doing at the moment that would be great for, that you're about to produce or around the digital world? Well, our main focus at Care for the Family is equipping parents. We've just produced a course. I've written a book called Left to Their Own Devices, and um, a second edition of that's just come out. And then alongside that, we've brought a course. We've um, made a course. Let me start that again. I've written a book called um, Left to Their Own Devices, and the second edition of that has, has just come out. And we have just produced a course for parents to go with it. It's an hour long. It can be used in schools. It can be used in any community settings as well as in churches. And it's free to download if you go to our Care for the Family website. Catherine, thank you so much for your time. Brilliant. really appreciate Lovely. it. And I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Chris. Grace and peace. Bye-bye.